This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. And then the second question, what is heaven like? And I thought to myself, wait a minute now. Before you answer, I said to myself, this is a master discerner of whether or not a people really a person really knows what he's talking about or not. So don't fake it. So I answered, the Bible gives us very little details about the physical characteristics of heaven. It says something about streets of gold. I don't know if it's 14 karat gold or 24 karat gold. I don't know if the street signs are made out of silver. I can't tell you what the air's like. I can't tell you what you see in heaven. I really know very little about those type of details in heaven, but I can tell you that I know the most important part of heaven. I can tell you what I know heaven to be. Heaven is, two words, Jesus Christ. That's heaven. Heaven is Jesus Christ. When I die, I will wake up and I will see heaven when I see the face of Jesus Christ because Heaven is his home, and heaven is all about Jesus Christ. The whole focus of heaven is on Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is good, heaven is good. Because Jesus Christ is light, heaven is full of light. I may not know very much about the details of heaven, but I know about the center and the focus of heaven, and that is Jesus Christ. I know a lot about Jesus Christ, and I'm learning more about Jesus Christ every day, and in heaven, I'll continue to learn more and more about Jesus Christ, and that is what heaven is, Jesus Christ. The first description of a person who went to heaven was of Enoch, and the record says in Genesis 5.24, Genesis 5.24, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Enoch walked with God. He walked with Jehovah Jesus. That was the description of Enoch's whole life. Enoch knew Jehovah Jesus, and Enoch spent his life getting to know more and more and more about Jehovah Jesus. And all Enoch wanted to do in life was to learn more and more and more about Jehovah Jesus. And that's what it means when it says Enoch walked with God. And Enoch wanted to, what he ever wanted, what he wanted to do for the rest of his existence, for, for all of his existence, he's not gonna die, was to be with Jehovah Jesus. And one day, 
God just took Enoch off of earth to God's home, which is in heaven, where people on earth and all people on earth saw was Enoch was not. In Genesis 5, 24, Enoch was not. And people said, where's Enoch? And some said, I don't know. All I know is that Enoch is not here. And others said, Enoch's not here because Enoch is with God. God took him. And the question is, who is heaven for? Who is really heaven for? For whom is heaven? Heaven is for those who want to be with Jesus Christ forever. That's the people that heaven is for. John 14, 3, John 14, 3, God, Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. 2 Corinthians 5, 8, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present from the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Heaven is for those who want to be with Jesus Christ forever. If a person does not want to be with Jesus Christ forever, heaven is not for that person. Heaven is for those who want to see the face of Jesus Christ and have the name of Jesus Christ on their forehead. Psalm 17, 15, Psalm 17, 15. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Revelation 22, 3, Revelation 22, 3. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. If a person does not want to see the face of Jesus Christ, if a person does not want to have the name of Jesus Christ in his forehead, heaven's not for that person. Because heaven is for those who want to see the face of Jesus Christ and have his name in their foreheads. Heaven is for those who have had a life of being guided by Jesus Christ. Psalm 73, 24, Psalm 73, 24, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. If a person does not want Jesus Christ to guide him in life, heaven's not for that person. Heaven is for those who want to serve Jesus Christ forever. Revelation 22, 3, Revelation 22, 3. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. If a person doesn't want to serve Jesus Christ forever, heaven's not for that person. Heaven is for the person who wants to see the glory of Jesus Christ. John 17, 24, John 17, 24, Jesus prayed, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. If a person does not want to see the glory of Jesus Christ, heaven's not for that person. Heaven is for those who want to become like Jesus Christ. They don't like the way they are, and they want to be like Jesus Christ. 1 John 3, 2, 1 John 3, 2. Now, beloved, are we the sons of God? 
And it doth not appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. If a person doesn't want to become like Jesus Christ, heaven is not for that person. And all this is true because Micah 5.2, verse 2, shall he come forth. And where Jesus Christ came from, heaven, heaven is filled with his praises. And now we see in verse 2, out of thee shall he come forth unto me. So when it says that Jesus Christ came forth out of heaven, it was unto God the Father that he came. That means that even though he was here on earth, his focus was always upward on God, on God the Father. He was always thinking, what should I do to make God happy, to make God the Father happy? That's what I want to do. What is it that he wants? What will make him happy? That was a focus of his mind, John 8, 29, John 8, 29. He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. I do always those things that please him. That shows us that we'll never be more close to God on earth than when we're doing what God wants us to do. And when our lives are structured like that, to please God, he will be more with us because he said in that verse, John 8, 29, he that sent me is with me. I do always those things that please him. And then it says that the will of God the Father is that Jesus should be ruler of Israel. God decreed it in Psalm 2, Psalm 2, verse 6, Psalm 2, verse 6, when God the Father said, Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I'll give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy, for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. This is why when the angel Gabriel came to Mary before Jesus was born, he told her in Luke 131, Luke 131, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And that sign, that sign that Pilate put over the cross of Jesus that was written in those different languages, that was written in heaven, and Pilate would just transcribe it, where it says in John 19, 19, John 19, 19, Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And that's the title of Jesus Christ because of verse two, verse two, Micah 5, 2, out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel. And this ruler is like no other ruler in Israel. All the other rulers in Israel, they had a beginning. They had a birth date that was their beginning. Jesus Christ as ruler in Israel had no beginning because, verse two, verse two, whose goings forth have been of old from everlasting. In the beginning, Jesus Christ was already there. John 1.1, 1, 1, John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. That's why Daniel called Jesus Christ the ancient of days. 
the Ancient of Days in Daniel 7, 9. Daniel 7, 9, I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the Ancient of Days did sit. His garment was white as snow. His hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as a burning fire. That's why Moses said of him, he's from everlasting to everlasting in Psalm 90, verse one. Psalm 90, verse one, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. That's why Jesus Christ said that he was, that he is the great I am that existed before Abraham. When he said in John 8, 57, John 8, 57, then said the Jews, then said the Jews unto him, thou art not yet 50 years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto him, verily, verily I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. This is why in Isaiah 9, 6, Isaiah 9, 6, where it talks about a child and a son, only the child was born, the son was not born, the son was given. The son was not born because Jesus Christ was from the beginning. Isaiah 9, 6, Isaiah 9, 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And now we have a description of the coming into the world of this hope. And it's verse three, verse three of Micah 5. Therefore will he give them up until the time which travaileth brought forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. This is referring to the time when the Virgin Mary conceived and brought forth the Savior, Jesus Christ. And then the remnant of Israel returns to the true children of Israel. Here's a reference to the remnant, which is a very small piece from the whole. The remnant is referred to in Isaiah 1.9, Isaiah 1.9, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant. We should have been as Sodom and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. The remnant of Israel is very small. This is talking about what could have saved Sodom and Gomorrah from destruction, and Abraham knew what could have saved Sodom and Gomorrah from destruction, and Abraham tried his best to save Sodom and Gomorrah from destruction when he bargained with God in Genesis 18.23. Genesis 18.23, when Abraham drew near and said, wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be 50 righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked. That be the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I'll spare all the place for their sakes. Abraham knew it. He knew that if there was a certain number of righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, God would spare Sodom and Gomorrah from judgment, from destruction. And the very small remnant of Israel have believed into Jesus Christ, and they have a righteousness which is not their own, but a righteousness which is by faith. Philippians 3, 9, Philippians 3, 9, I be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, 
which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. That's the remnant of the Jewish people who have believed themselves into Jesus Christ and are now clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And this remnant is very, very small. But they have returned, not to the current unbelieving Jewish people. I just got a text this morning from a rabbi in uh, Pennsylvania. Just got it this morning. I don't want to misquote it to you. I'm going to read it to you. Don't go away. So my dear friend, try to remove the negia by realizing that a Torah life is so fulfilling and gratifying if you can internalize that. Then you can be open to an honest intellectual conversation where you'll see how the Torah is the correct way and you won't need the Jesus nonsense. Tom, come home. Every generation had a group of Jews for Jesus. Every generation and each of these groups are extinct. Tom, don't be a part of this lost cause. Come home, Tom. We love you. Sincere? Yes. Right? No. Partly right. Every generation had a group of Jews for Jesus. Well, that's just what the Bible says. Even so, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace in Romans And this remnant is very small. They've returned not to the current Torah-following Jewish people, but to the former believing Jewish people, and they are the children who they've returned to the believing fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, described in Malachi 4.6, Malachi 4.6. He shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. This is the very, very small remnant within the Jewish people who have believed themselves into Jesus Christ. And they are the children whose hearts have been turned back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They are, verse 3, Micah 5, 3, the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. They've made this return after the woman, in verse 3, has travailed and brought forth her son, Jesus Christ. But the remnant is very small. Last week, I had a phone call that I received from a woman who called me on on my house phone. I don't know where she got the number. And she said she was Melissa Klein, a reporter for the New York Post. And she told me that there were people in New York who had received my book, Change, and they felt offended. And she wanted to discuss the book with me. I asked her, have you read the book? No. (laughs) I asked her, have you seen the book? No. I asked her, do you want to read the book? No. So I said, oh, okay. You want to talk to me about a book that you haven't read, that you want to talk to me about a book that you haven't seen, and you want to talk to me a book that you don't want to read. She said, that's right. (laughs) And so I said, well, there's no sense in talking about the books, and she don't know anything about it. You don't know anything about it. But she said, I will explain to you that I wrote the book to a very, very small subset I didn't say remnants, subset of people, the remnant of the Jewish people who have believed themselves into Jesus Christ, very, very small subset within the Jewish people. They're the remnant of Micah 5.3. I told her that for me, I don't know who they are. So the book for me is like putting a message into a bottle and throwing into the sea of humanity the bottle. And she asked me, how many bottles did you throw into the sea? (laughs) I said, I don't know the exact number. It doesn't matter. 
And then she told me that many people were offended at the book. And I told her, I said, I don't know why, because I told her that once they saw that the book was talking about Jesus Christ, that if they're not interested, that they should just throw the book in the trash. She said, that's what they're doing. I said, good, that's what I do for a living. I fill landfills. <laughs> and then I told her that I'm not writing to the people who are not interested in Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the people who are interested in Jesus Christ. And I told her that there are those who have received the book, they were encouraged by the book, they were instructed, they were guided, they embraced the book like a breath of fresh air. That's who I'm writing to. And I told her that if in the process of me reaching those people that others were offended, I'm sorry, but that will not stop me from sending out my book to those who want it just because some were offended. I told her it wasn't my intention to offend anybody, but if in the process of reaching those people with interest that some got offended, they should not be offended because the book was not intended for them. It's only intended for those who have an interest in Jesus Christ. And if a person looks at the book and realizes that it's about Jesus Christ and that they know they have no interest in Jesus Christ and they yet continue to read the book, they're reading another person's mail. And that's why they're offended. I said, it's just like they went over to another person's mailbox and took a letter out that was not addressed to them and started to reading it and then got offended at reading someone else's mail. How outrageous is that? <laughs> We didn't talk that long on the phone. <laughs> she wrote the article yesterday. But now we have a description of what Jesus Christ will do. In verse four, verse four, he says, and he shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. And now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth. That's a description of the ministry of Jesus Christ when he was here on earth. Jesus Christ fed others with his marvelous teaching. And when he taught, he was strengthened by God. And there was just a majestic authority to it. People couldn't help but recognize at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 7, 28, Matthew 7, 28, it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. The Pharisees sent officers to seize him, to arrest him, to bring him back. They got within earshot of Jesus Christ and they were stunned, paralyzed, and they couldn't do it. And they came back. And they, the Pharisees said, why haven't you brought him back? And their answer was John 7, 46. John 7, 46, the officers answered, never man spake like this man. And the remnant feed on his words. The remnant of the Jewish believers in verse seven, verse seven, and the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many people as a dew from the Lord as the showers upon the grass. The remnant of the Jewish people shall go to the Gentile people the remnant of the Jewish people, like Richard Warmbrand, tortured for his faith, Jewish man, and like others, they will go to the Gentile people and teach, which is why I am not for Messianic congregations or Messianic churches where Jewish people do congregate among themselves. Why? Because Gentile believers need Jewish believers because Verse seven, verse seven, the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many people as a dew from the Lord. And Jewish believers need Gentile believers because 
of verse 7, verse 7, the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many people as a dew from the Lord. So in this chapter, the tide turns and Israel has her hope finally in Jesus Christ who comes from heaven as out of the little tiny place called Bethlehem. He's a ruler. He stands, he teaches with a marvelous authority and then suffers and dies for sins. And then a remnant emerges who return to become part with the past believers in Israel. And that remnant is among the Gentiles in as, as a refreshing dew and rain. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your doing, which is marvelous in our eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.